Well, like I said, we'll be beginning in Deuteronomy chapter 32. This is something that I've looked at in the past, never had much clarity on, um, but as things have, as it's, it's one of those things that I've filed away towards the front of my file, so wherever I find it, uh, it, it pops up and I see it and I ponder it and I think about it in, con- in, conjecture, in conjunction with what I'm studying and it usually will give me a little more clarity here and there. Um, and I've got enough to, at least to present it tonight and uh, we'll, we'll see what the Lord does with it. But the word that we're going to be examining is froward, not forward, but froward, F-R-O-W-A-R-D. And... Uh, What I'm going to do first for us is I'm going to define it according to what the Oxford English Dictionary defines it. But honestly, the biblical study we're going to do tonight will give you a clearer picture of what it actually is in in God's mind, what what he is looking at it as. Um, Oxford English Dictionary defines it as being disposed to go counter to what is demanded, Uh, perverse, difficult to deal with, ungovernable. All right, so that's the basic understanding in, in literature around the 1600s. That's what they would have been, uh, well, I guess it would have, you know, 1611 and, and prior. Uh, what they would have thought with that word froward, it's not one that we use today, although we do use a derivative of it. We say things like to and fro. Okay, that honestly is going to give you the most clear understanding of what this thing means. Somebody that is toward God, T-O-W-A-R-D, is moving toward him. Someone that is froward against God is moving fro, away from him. Okay, that's the easiest way to to really boil it down. Uh, What what they have there really gives you, you know, in in linguistics, it gives you a a clear understanding. But in my, my puny brain, all right, to and fro is the easiest way that I have to, to remember this. Um, it's used 25 times in your King James Bible in, in the various forms that it is used. And uh, it, it's uh, spoken of as being in the heart, in the tongue, in the mouth, uh, in your paths, in your ways. All right, All those things can be froward. Uh, you're froward on the inward parts, which then causes other things to transpire. And we're we're going to look at all that tonight. Uh, but we're going to start out in, in Deuteronomy 32. But before I do, Brother Mike Bat, would you ask the Lord to bless the time of preaching? Father, thank you again that we can look at your word and you can speak to us. Prepare our hearts now as we receive your word. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Deuteronomy 32 and verse 20. It says this, and he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end shall be, for they are a very froward generation, children in whom is no faith. And as we've looked at before, different word studies and stuff, the very first place a word is used usually gives a really good indication as to the, the, the meaning of that word, how it's best used and such. Um, and so with this, one thing that is very noteworthy about somebody who is froward, especially specifically this generation who is for, froward, all right, that's another aspect that you can look at it. It's not only individuals, it's not only maybe families, but entire generations can be froward. I believe we're seeing that greatly in our country right now, that there are generations now that are froward. They're against God and, and against his things. But it says, children in whom is no faith. No faith. 
So that's the first thing I want you to note in your mind with this word froward. It's associated with those that have no faith. None. Okay? And so the second place we're going to go to now is in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 22. And we're just going to work our way down through these. Uh, we may get through all of them. Uh, we may not. And that either way is okay. And we'll, we'll see what the Lord does with it. But 2 Samuel 22, verse 27. And if, if 2 Samuel rings a, uh, 22 rings a bell with you, it ought to, because it's that same psalm of Psalm 18, which is a very clearly messianic psalm. And so we'll, we'll look at this here. Uh, but 2 Samuel 22, verse 27, it says this, With the pure thou wilt show thyself pure, and with the froward thou wilt show thyself unsavory. Now, it's a very interesting thing because I want you to keep your place here and I want you to turn to Psalm 18. I want you to look at this because Psalm 18 is worded slightly differently. But in this, we see how God defines the character of someone who is froward. All right? Psalm 18 and verse 26 says this. With the pure, thou wilt show thyself pure. With the froward, thou wilt show thyself froward. Okay, so in, in, in the Psalms, in this specifically being this messianic psalm where Jesus Christ, the Spirit of Christ, is in David speaking these things, God is using this as saying, with the froward, thou wilt show thyself froward. And in 2 Samuel 22, he lays this out that with a froward, thou wilt show thyself unsavory. So unsavory and froward are akin to one another. Now, what is unsavory? When something is savory, it's full of flavor. It's delicious, right? Go to Job chapter 6. Because in Job chapter 6, we see this word unsavory, and it'll give you a better understanding of that word. So then you'll understand what is being spoken of better of this word froward. Uh, Job chapter 6 and verse 6, it says this, Can that which is unsavory be eaten without salt? Or is there any taste in the white of an egg? So something that is unsavory is very bland and is very objectionable to the palate. You just, you, it's almost nigh into cursing if you don't have salt with it. Okay, You just don't want it. It's just, ugh. It's just like the white of an egg. You know, just to eat the white of an egg, I know a lot of people do because of the less cholesterol in the yolk and all of that. And more power to you if you have to do that. Uh, but I hope you at least put a little bit of salt or maybe Mrs. Dash, okay, that, that salt alternative. That's what my grandma dad always used to have was Mrs. Dash. I actually like the taste of it. But can that which is unsavory be eaten without salt? Right? Is there any flavor in the white of an egg? So what God is viewing a froward person as is somebody that is very detestable. It's something that just, they, they don't have any, any flavor to them. It kind of makes me think of the word vain. It is just empty. There's just nothing to it. And this is a froward person. And specifically in, in 2 Samuel 22 and in Psalm uh, 18, is being spoken of God that with the pure thou wilt show thyself pure. So somebody who is pure... God is going to show himself pure to them. Meaning that if they're sitting in the preaching or they're reading the word of God or they are considering the ways of their life and they're considering God and all of these things, a pure person, somebody who has been made pure, is going to view God as a pure God. You're holy. You're so good. And you'll be able to see his goodness and his holiness in everything. 
But someone who is froward is going to sit in that same preaching service, read that same passage of Scripture, examine the same events in a life, and they're going to say, well, God didn't do anything there. Unsavory. And God is the one that shows himself unsavory to that froward person. Okay, And so getting that idea around your head that this is, this is something that is very important to God, so much so that he will reveal himself as unsavory to that froward person. That one who is against them, he's going to appear unsavory, which is going to do what? It's going to harden their hearts. It's going to harden their hearts against him. His whole design in that is to harden it to the point where it breaks so that he can then mend it. I've seen people get to the very bottom, and it takes them hitting bottom hard for them to get woken up because their carnality and their carnal mind and their, their wicked heart is just, it's, it's so perverse, and they can't see past any of that until they are completely broken, and it's usually in a physical sense. It's usually their physical bodies that are broken before they can even consider spiritual things. All right? And so there in those things there, we see that. Uh, look, as long as you're, uh, well, maybe you're still there. Job uh, chapter 5, verse 13 is the next place. It says, He taketh the wise in their own craftiness, and the counsel of the froward is carried headlong. Now, what's interesting about this, this is Eliphaz the Temanite that is speaking. And just in case you have an inclination that the friends of Job were wrong and there was nothing good that they spoke of, don't think that because Paul quotes Eliphaz the Temanite. He quotes him in the New Testament. Uh, 1 Corinthians 3.19, you can mark that down, look it up later. But 1 Corinthians 3.19, Paul is quoting Eliphaz the Temanite as being scripture, okay? And so what Job's friends had to say was true. But what they could not see was that they were wrongly applying the truth. Even so much so that the Lord said, they speak not rightly the thing concerning me. They couldn't see that Job was prophesying about Jesus Christ. They couldn't see that. They couldn't see that the suffering that Job was enduring was only so that Job could prophesy of Jesus Christ. And we see the, the, the main bulk of that prophesying going on in, in Job chapter 16, but it is, it is intermingled throughout. You see the suffering Savior throughout that whole thing, um, and just in the, the general account of it. So it's just a little extra uh, interesting thing there. Um, Leviticus 26, I was going to take us there, but I don't think we're going to go there. But Leviticus 26, 21 to 24, uh, really goes into this matter as well, about the way that God reveals himself and, and shows himself to a person. Okay, And it's in direct relation to where their heart is. Um, let's go on into the Proverbs now. We're going to start in Proverbs chapter 2. The majority of the times that the word froward is used is in the Proverbs. But in Proverbs chapter 2, I'm going to start in verse 10. We're going to take this all in conjunction here. It says, When wisdom entereth into thine heart, and knowledge is pleasant unto thy soul, discretion shall preserve thee, understanding shall keep thee, to deliver thee from the way of the evil man, from the man that speaketh froward things. All right, so what we can glean from even this verse right here, someone who is an evil man speaketh, froward things. So if you are speaking froward things, those things that are contrary, 
excuse me, contrary to God, in those things, that is an evil man. The, it never ceases to amaze me, and I never saw it before, but I see it continually now. God is continually showing you the types of things to be looking for. If you want to know if you're evil, if you're holy, if you're pure, if you're just, if you're unjust, if you're froward, if you're toward, all right? All of these things, God shows you this. So, if you are an evil person, you will speak froward things. Things that are contrary to God. Things that are ungovernable. Your, your tongue can't be contained. Okay? You just, you just speak whatever is on your mind, whatever is on your heart. That is a froward person. And God says that's an evil man. All right? So again, as we go through these things, always be looking inwardly. Don't, don't just be looking outwardly. You know, you, you picture that person in your mind that might be this froward one, when all the while, maybe God's trying to show you, hey, this is you. This, is, this can be you from time to time. And that's not good. Um, but we'll continue on here. Uh, boy, where did we leave off at? Verse 12. Look at verse 13. Uh, it says, Who leave the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness. All right? More of what being froward is. You'll leave the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness. Who rejoice to do evil and delight in the frowardness of the wicked. Not only do they do these froward things, they speak these froward things, but in, in that they get joy and pleasure from the frowardness of others. They find it great that somebody is deep in their rebellion. It, it was a very a sad thing that uh, during the, the funeral on Friday, uh, one of the many sad things of the day, but a, a testimony that was given of Gerald and his life, and it was given by his brother, was that uh, they rejoiced in their rebellion. They thought it was, a, it was a great thing. It was a binding thing that they as brothers all had. Because when they would go to the Free Methodist Church there, uh, and they, the preacher would tell them to bow their heads and pray, and everybody would pray, they would bow their heads, but they would never close their eyes, and they'd always peek over and smile at each other. And they rejoiced in that rebellion. Always, always, always been such a rebel. And they, they laugh at that. That's a froward thinking. That's frowardness. Okay? And it, it's a grief to God. And it's in ignorance that they do these things. All right? And so, there too, go ahead and pray for these men. Pray for these ones. Pray for the men and, and ladies around our country that rejoice in rebellion. Oh, I think a little rebellion is good. Remember, Theron, we were on that hike, and there was that, that woman that met us up on the, on the trail. Was walking with us and talking with the group of people we were with, and she was talking about rebellion. Oh, I think a little bit, little bit of rebellion is good in the heart of a child. Like, yeah, a little bit of arsenic will do him good, too. All right. But verse 15, whose ways are crooked, and they froward in their paths. All right, so you can be froward in your paths. The paths that your feet take, where your life takes you, can be very froward. They can be very much against God. Contrary to where God would have you to go. I tell you, these are not the paths of righteousness. This is the paths of frowardness. Um, let's go on to Proverbs chapter 3, uh, verse 31. Envy thou not the oppressor, and choose none of his ways. For the froward is abomination to the Lord, but his secret is with the righteous. And here again, a study of the word abomination would be a good one. And I, honestly, I, I've done it before, but I can't even remember remotely how many times it's used in the Bible and what's all associated with it. It's been a while. I guess it's time to do it again. But one thing that's interesting is 
the main thing in, in Christendom that's spoken of today as being, especially in conservative circles, as being an abomination is this thing of, uh, you know, the, the homosexuality, the, the sodomy lifestyle, and all of that that is being embraced in our country today, uh, being given over to that reprobate mind. That's spoken of as being an abomination. You'll see it on posters, you'll see it on billboards, you'll see it on bumper stickers, you know, all of this. Um, you know, I saw one the other day that said, anything other than one man and one woman is abomination in God's eyes. And it's absolutely true. But so is pride. And they'll sing, I'm proud to be an American. How foolish of us. How foolish of us. We, you can be pleased to be an American, but as soon as that American pride sets in, God is going to resist you. You're not going to get anywhere with God. And this frowardness is abomination to God. God considers it an abomination. So it's, it's more than just a little, oh, quip, ha-ha, funny, ha-ha. No, no, this is abomination. This is pure wickedness. Uh, let's see, verse 32 again. For the forward is abomination to the Lord, but his secret is with the righteous. And I love that. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't give a, a, uh, a language group. It doesn't give a time period. It doesn't give a certain name. It doesn't give a, a group, a church group, a denomination. It doesn't give anything like that. You want to know the deep things of God, you need to find God. And God's secret is going to be with the righteous. The secret, deep, hidden things of God. He's going to show them unto the righteous. He's going to open the eyes of the righteous. Why? Well, because God can trust them with the deep things of God. And that, I think we'll leave that one lay there. Uh, let's go to Proverbs 4 and verse 23. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a froward mouth, and perverse lips put far from thee. Now, what did Jesus tell the Pharisees? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So if your mouth is froward, what does that say about your heart? You have a froward heart. And so in that, he's telling them, keep thy heart with all diligence. Because out of it are the issues of life. You keep your heart with all diligence. Be, have all your diligence applied to keeping your heart. Or else... You're going to have a froward mouth. Let's keep going. Uh, verse 25, Let thine eyes look right on, and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. Now you remember, the froward path is a path contrary to God. It's away from God. So ponder the path of your feet. I've underlined that word ponder. When was the last time you pondered the path of your feet? Really sat and thought about, where have my feet taken me today? Where are my feet taking me today? What is going on in my life that my feet are taking me here today? Ponder the path of your feet. Consider those things. Uh, verse 27, turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. It's good doctrine. All right, let's go to Proverbs chapter 6. Uh, we're going to start in verse 12. We'll read down to 15. It says this, A naughty person, a wicked man. All right, so a naughty person is a wicked man. It doesn't say a naughty person and a wicked man. It's saying a naughty person, comma, one who is naughty is a wicked man. 
Okay? So a naughty person, a wicked man, walketh with a froward mouth. Again, ponder the path of your feet. You say, how do you walk with a froward mouth? Well, the same way you would have a proud look. Okay? Um, and even in this, these six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are abomination unto him, a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief. Why are your feet swift in, to be running to mischief? Because you're walking with a froward heart. And you haven't pondered the path of your feet. And you haven't removed your foot from evil. So your feet have learned to be swift in running to mischief. That's why. But anyways, coming back down here, verse 13. This is a naughty person, a wicked man. He winketh with his eyes. He speaketh with his feet. He teacheth with his fingers. Frowardness is in his heart. He deviseth mischief continually. He soweth discord. Therefore... Shall his calamity come suddenly? Suddenly shall he be broken without remedy. And again, when we were in First uh, John and we looked at that sin unto death, First John chapter five, where he says there is a sin unto death. I do not say that you should pray for it. This is this thing where a person is broken without remedy. There's no remedy for it. You're either going to die in this sin. It's kind of like when, you know, we went up to that hockey game. I never thought I'd use a hockey. Example, good night. We actually enjoyed ourselves. We got invited to go to a Sabres game. It was, it was a very enjoyable time, aside from the music and the drinking and everything else that was associated with it. But in that hockey game, there's two-minute penalties if a person gets a foul. If they do something they're not supposed to do, they get a two-minute penalty. And they were put in a penalty box, and they have to sit there in timeout as they watch everybody else play hockey. Well... There was a minute and 30 seconds left in the whole game, and somebody got a penalty. So they called it a penalty kill, meaning they were going to spend the rest of that game in that penalty box, plus 30 seconds. <laughs> now, I don't know if I didn't look to see if they waited for the 30 seconds past to get up and come out of the penalty box because the game's over then. But that person, if we can spiritualize it this way, that person had committed a sin unto death in that game committed a, a penalty that the punishment for that penalty exceeded the amount of time that was in that game. All right. Now again, tie that in with the rest of the things we study with that sin unto death, but looking here specifically, this is that wicked man, this is that, that naughty person, who all of this is here, frowardness is in his heart. He shall suddenly be broken without remedy. Suddenly broken without remedy. A person who has had calamity come upon them in immensities. And this is kind of where you get the idea. This is where the mind of Job's friends went. Well, yeah, he must have frowardness in him. Well, God said he was perfect and upright. He, he, he was not froward in any of his ways. He learned some things about himself that he didn't realize by the end of it. But he wasn't froward by any stretch of the imagination. But that's what his friends were accusing him of being. And in the same way, this froward person is going to be destroyed suddenly without remedy. So this is nothing to, this is nothing to laugh about. This is nothing to joke about. This is, this is nothing that, is, that, that we should have any desire to have any part of frowardness. So much so that the more that I'm looking at this, I am examining my own heart during this thing. God, I don't want any of this in me. 
Just seeing what, what comes of it. What God will do because of it. And I hate that. Because I, I, I think about the times where I was froward. And I saw God as unsavory. And I just ponder my ways and the, the paths of my feet. And I think, good night. I was this close to being destroyed without remedy. But the long-suffering of God is the only reason. So, we'll continue on. Uh, let's go to Proverbs 8. I was going to read the entirety of Proverbs 8, 1 through 14, but I don't think, just for the sake of time, I don't think we need to tonight. But we'll start at verse 12. Or no, you know, let's start at verse 8. This is wisdom speaking, all right? And she's crying at the gate. She's, she's crying at the entering of the cities. And she's crying unto this, these, these men. And in verse 8, it says, All the words of my mouth are in righteousness. There is nothing froward or perverse in them. And here we see frowardness and perverseness combined together. They, they go hand in hand. I'm not saying they're the same thing, but they definitely go hand in hand. Somebody who is a perverse person is going to be also a froward person. And it is the opposite of what wisdom cries. Not the wisdom of the world, but the wisdom which cometh from above. This is that spirit of wisdom in Jesus Christ. Okay, And so, as, as we've studied out before of Jesus Christ in chapter 8, you know, this is, this is him speaking, you know, whether it's that spirit of wisdom in him or however it comes to play, but here it is. Now, continuing on, uh, verse 9 says, They are all plain to him that understandeth, and write to them that findeth knowledge. Receive my instruction, and not silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and find out knowledge of witty inventions. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogancy, and the evil way, and the froward mouth do I hate. So it's something that God hates. It's something that wisdom hates. It's something that that is contrary to the fear of the Lord. And again, if you want, a good, I think we've talked about this, but if you want a good definition of what is the fear of the Lord, well, this verse tells you exactly what it is. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. If you hate evil, it shows you that's the fear of the Lord. Frowardness is the opposite of that, though. It's going headlong into it. Uh, let's see. Let's go on to Proverbs 10. We're going to look at verse 31 and 32. Proverbs 10, 31 and 32. The mouth of the just bringeth forth wisdom, but the froward tongue shall be cut out. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked speaketh frowardness. Now, God is not above having someone's tongue taken out, cut right out. We saw where certain ones had their eyes gouged out because they rejected God. We, we saw where, where certain ones had, had various things done to them. I mean, even in that thing of Abiram and uh, Dathan and Abiram, the, the ground cleaved asunder and it, they went quick into the pit. The very first ones to go alive bodily into the pit of hell. And that's a, that's a terrifying thing terrifying thing the ground cleaving asunder and the 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 earth itself opening up and you're falling into that bottomless pit and you never hit the bottom and so 
with this, where it says that the froward tongue shall be cut out, I take that absolutely literally. If you want to figuratize that, God's going to make it so you can't talk. I've heard of, of people who have literally lost their voice. They, they could not speak anymore. God shut their mouths. And so with those things, of course, I've heard of good men who have had that same thing done to them. So you can't always, you know, use righteous judgment in those things. But take this as a stark warning. Uh, go to, let's see, Proverbs 11, verse 20. It says this, They that are of a froward heart are abomination to the Lord. But such as are upright in their way are his delight. And again, you see this comparing and contrasting. A froward heart with those in whom God delights. A froward heart is one that is full of abomination. It is abomination to the Lord. But that one who is upright in their way, those are the delight of God. God is going to delight in you. It's kind of like we were talking the other day and, and just some of the things that the Lord has done for us. And my wife in particular was, was rejoicing to me the other day how that God just showed her the other day that not only does he love her, but he likes her. And I think that's what this is speaking of. I don't like it. Does, does God not only love her, but he likes her. He delights in her. All right? And am I bragging on my wife? Probably. But she's, she's an easy one to brag on. Um, but we boast in the Lord only because it's him. It's all him. But again, here we see that this froward heart is abomination to God. Uh, building, building this definition, building in your minds, giving you an understanding. And again, as you do these word studies, you're going to be, there'll be times where you're still not going to be able to give an absolute definition. Okay, this is what this word is defined as, but you're going to understand that word. You're going to know exactly how God intends to use it. You're going to know exactly what God means by it. And you may not be able to articulate it and put it into words what that word is defined as, but you know how God feels about it. Okay, Why he put it in his word. Why he uses it like he does. Uh, let's carry on. Proverbs 16 next. Proverbs 16 verse 27. Now, what's interesting, you're going to see in 27, 28, and 29, you're going to see an ungodly man, a froward man, and a violent man. But I think it's talking about the same man. Look at this. An ungodly man diggeth up evil, and in his lips there is a burning fire. You remember that tongue is set on fire of hell? Okay, the, the, again, I believe very easily you could cross-reference to that out of this verse. A froward man soweth strife, and a whisperer, separateth chief friends. A violent man enticeth his neighbor and leadeth him into the way that is not good. He shutteth his eyes to devise froward things. Moving his lips, he bringeth evil to pass. And you see that in verse 30, it kind of connects in there with that, that froward one of 28. And so I believe it's talking about that same person. Somebody who is ungodly is froward and violent. Someone who is froward is ungodly and violent. Someone who is violent is ungodly and froward. Okay? You see these things, it, it is, a, it is a, a, uh, an all-in-one package. Okay? You don't get one without the other. It all comes with it. It's kind of like when you were born of God, you get the faith of Christ, you get the spirit of Christ, you get the spirit of God the Father, you get the spirit of the Holy Ghost. You get all of that. 
bam, right in there. Not only that, you get the righteousness of Jesus Christ and the righteousness of God the Father. And I have yet to find where it's the righteousness of the Holy Ghost, but there's got to be some place where it's spoken of in that too. That's just, you know, that's in my file up at the front. I'm looking for that, okay? Because if God the Father's righteousness is given and God the Son's righteousness is given, logic dictates that the Holy Ghost is there too. Okay, and I'm, just, I'm looking for that verse that, that proves that thing. Um, and I'm not going to preach it dogmatically until I find it. But this is the same thing, though. You're going to choose an ungodly way, you're choosing a violent way, and you're choosing a froward way. All right, That's, that's, that's the path you're on. Uh, and it, we show these things that he sows strife. Um, Proverbs 17.20 says this, uh, He that hath a froward heart findeth no good. And he that hath a perverse tongue falleth into mischief. Again, seeing that perverseness and that frowardness combined, connected together. Uh, it's Again, it's part of that, that bundled up package that you get with that thing of being froward. But he findeth no good. He that hath a froward heart findeth no good. Same thing as is spoken of as, uh, as in regards to charity, that charity thinketh no evil. It's the exact opposite. If charity thinketh no evil, a froward heart can only think evil. Not going to find good in anything. Not only are they not going to find good in their own life, good is not going to come to them, good according to God's definition of good. But everywhere they look, they're not going to find good. They're not going to find good in that situation, in that situation, in that situation. Somebody could come up to them with a, a, a box full of puppies and kittens, and just adorable little things, and like baby chickens, and peeps, and whatever else in that box, and it's just so adorable and wonderful, and they're going to look at that, and they're going to disdain it. They're not going to find anything good in it. Oh, why would you put puppies, and chickens, and, and kittens all together in one box? All right. Meanwhile, my wife is thinking, yes, let's do that. <laughs> More kittens than puppies, but still. All right. Uh, Proverbs 21. But a forward heart findeth no good. Proverbs 21. Look at verse 8. 21.8. The way of man is forward and strange, but as for the pure, his work is right. And I had to think about that one for a little while. The way of man is forward and strange. Well, what, what type of a man? What type of a man is their way forward and strange? What, why is it bundled together like this? And, and then I just realized, well, this is the way that seemeth right unto a man. But the ways therein are the ways of death. Okay? The way of man is forward and strange. And you think of that strange, that stranger is someone who was born outside of the commonwealth of Israel. Outside of that thing. Anyone born outside of Israel that came into Israel was a stranger. All right, and that's why when Peter is writing to the strangers scattered abroad, he's writing to the Gentiles. He's not writing to the scattered tribes. He's writing to the Gentiles because he calls them strangers. And so the same thing is, is playing here, that the way of man is forward and strange. That is the natural way of man, is to be forward against God. And it's strange. It's outside of the thinking of God. It's outside of the household of God. And which really pulls me back into these things where we've just recently studied where uh, Paul says, you know, uh, you, were, you were strangers and aliens, aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and, and all of that. And, but now you've entered in, you've been drawn nigh by the blood of Christ and all of that. And so that, that way of man is strange and it's froward. Uh, Proverbs 22.5 says this, 
Thorns and snares are in the way of the froward. He that doth keep his soul shall be far from them. All right, now it speaks of keeping your soul, not just your heart, but your soul. Now, recent studies that we've, we've heard and in digging into this thing, there may be a connection between that soul and spirit and the reins. Okay, so just keep that in, in, in your minds, uh, in, the, in the back of your minds. But thorns and snares are in the way of the froward. That's what's in the way of man. That's why mankind always runs into thorns and snares. Now, over in uh, Joshua 23, 43, it talks about those things that if they don't kick out these, these ones in the land, if they don't utterly destroy them and they allow them to stay in the land, they're going to become snares unto them. It says, speaks of the same thing. It talks about thorns and it talks about snares. The only two verses in the Bible that have thorns and snares combined together. And so that's just an interesting side note. Um, and that's all for the, the Proverbs. Uh, I'm going to read to you Isaiah 57. Uh, well, I tell you what, let's turn there. there. The only place it's used in the New Testament, we're going to skip over that, is 1 Peter 2.18. It says, Servants, be subject unto your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. And so that's another study for another time. All right, so we're, we've noted it. There it is. Isaiah 57. We're going to end here. All right, Isaiah 57. Start right in verse 15. For the, thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. So this is the holy one. Okay, his name is holy. It's the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and a humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. For I will not contend forever, neither will I always be wroth, for the spirit should fail before me and the souls which I have made. All right, if God were to always be wroth, there isn't a single person that would be able to live. Their spirit would fail within them, and the body without the spirit is dead. Okay, And that is why God is long-suffering and merciful, because if he was wroth with us continually, we would die. We would not be able to live. Verse 17, For the iniquity of his covetousness was I wroth, and I and smote him. Look at that next part. I hid me. I hid me. He hid himself from them. So that he was not able to be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Seek him while he may be found. Call him upon him while he is near. All right. I hid me and was wroth, and he went on frowardly in the way of his heart. All right. This is the this is the rebellion against God. These are the things that that were uh, against God's ways, and God hid Himself, and and they continued on frowardly in their heart. And what you'll find when God gives somebody over to themselves to work these froward things, they break. They get broken. Some to utter destruction where there is no remedy. But that next verse says, it says, I have seen his ways and will heal him. So there was remedy in this. And that's only the mercy of God that brought that out. All right. So to recap, we're going to go through the highlights of this. A froward has no faith. God will show himself unsavory to them. It's an evil, uh, an evil man speaketh froward things. It's an abomination to the Lord. We're told to put away a froward mouth. Uh, there's frowardness in the heart of a naughty and a wicked person, which they are the same thing. 
A froward man soweth strife, froward will, the froward will never find good, and there are thorns and snares in the way of the froward. And many times that way of the froward is broken without remedy. All right, so there you have froward. We've gone through it, pretty much every verse in the Bible that deals with it. Uh, hopefully you have a better understanding, so the next time you come across that, you'll be able to see a little deeper into that verse because you're not stumbling over that word froward. Okay? You'll be able to have a little clarity in that as, you, as you're going on. Um, but I believe that'll, that'll do it for our study tonight. Uh, we are going to pray now.